Well, good morning and welcome to St. John's for our online worship service. Wherever you are, whatever time you're watching this, it's great to have you join with us as we worship God together. Well, today is the second Sunday in Lent and in our readings we're thinking about the cross and we're thinking about Jesus' call to us to deny ourselves and to pick up our cross and to follow him uh, and what that means for our lives, what that means for how we look at the world and how we look at the way God works in the world. Children who are watching, there are some Together at Home materials that are on our website or emailed out in the newsletter and you can download those and you'll find some activities related to the theme. But we're going to begin by lighting a candle as we always do and the candle reminds us of God's presence with us as we worship and also the light of Christ in our lives. So I'm going to light my candle now. And as we light it, we've had our little action that goes with it. We light a candle, it reminds us that God is good and God is with us. And now Edwin and Eloise are going to lead us in our opening words. We are not once weak friends. We are the family of God. We are not a cosy club. We are the body of Christ. We are not just strangers meeting. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. We are not here by accident. Our Father has called us to worship. We are not just filling up an hour. Jesus wants us to know him better. We are not just going through the motions. The Holy Spirit has some special words for us. So come, draw near to our God, and God will draw near to us. Through many dangers 
together in worship. Let's take a moment now to come before God in confession. Like in any relationship, it's important to say sorry. So we're just going to take a moment to say sorry to God now for those things that have got in the way of our relationship with him. We're going to use these words of confession, so do join in as the words appear on the screen. We say it together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you through our own fault, in thought and word and deed, and in what we have left undone. We are heartily sorry and repent of all our sins. For your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. And so may the God of love bring us back to himself. Forgive us our sins and assure us of his eternal love in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And the collect, the prayer for the day. Almighty God, by the prayer and discipline of Lent, may we enter into the mystery of Christ's sufferings and by following in his way, come to share in his glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The reading is taken from Romans chapter 4, verses 13 to 25. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, Faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, for he is the father of all of us, as it is written. I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations according to what was said, so numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words... 
it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It would be reckoned to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Here ends the reading. This reading is taken from Mark chapter 8 verses 31 to 38. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him but turning and looking at his disciples he rebuked Peter and said get behind me Satan for you are setting your mind not on divine things but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them if any want to become my followers let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Here ends the reading. I wonder, can you remember a time in your life where you've had an impression or an expectation of something in your mind's eye, but the reality turned out very different? I remember when I was a child uh, returning to the UK from a few years living in Uganda. Uh, we were returning in December and I had no memory of winter in the UK, but I had a very strong idea in my head of what it would look like. There would be snow everywhere. Uh, I had visions of me walking down uh, from the plane and diving headfirst into a huge blanket of snow. But of course when I arrived the reality was very different and very disappointing and what greeted me was not idyllic snow but uh, greyness and drizzle like every other winter we have in the UK. Sometimes what we hope for, sometimes what we expect and imagine in reality turns out to be very different. This can be true for all sorts of things but it can also be true for faith. And in our Gospel reading we have Peter coming to terms with a reality that was going to be very different from what he expected or imagined. A few verses earlier from the passage in our Gospel reading we have Jesus uh, asking his disciples, you know, who do you say I am? Uh, and Peter, in typical boldness, uh, openly, radically declares, you know, you are the Messiah. Except Peter had very clear ideas in his head of what a Messiah would be like. And his thinking was, was probably similar to many Jews at the time. They saw the Messiah as someone who would be anointed by God to, to lead the people of Israel to freedom and to restore the nation of Israel, the kingdom of God, as they saw it, to its rightful place in the world. Uh, they saw the Messiah as someone who had freed them from uh, the Roman army who were occupying Israel at the time. Uh, they would be a leader, they would be a warrior, uh, they would show power and might. So what 
then is all this talk of Jesus about him having to undergo greater suffering and then being handed over to the Jewish ruling class and then being killed. This is not what happens to a Messiah. Uh, so Peter takes Jesus to one side and, and he rebukes him. Except Jesus has none of it. And in fact, he turns to Peter and, and he rebukes him back. And in front of the rest of the disciples, he says, you know, get behind me, Satan. For you have, uh, you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. It sounds pretty harsh to call your closest follower Satan. Uh, but actually, if you think about it, Satan, Satan is the adversary. Satan is the one who opposes God. And here, Peter was opposing the will of God. His way was, was a human way. Peter had his own ideas of what a Messiah would be like, what he would do. Uh, he thought about it in very worldly terms. Jesus, on the other hand, his way was the way of the cross. And I wonder if Jesus might sometimes have a gentle rebuke to say to us from time to time. I know there are times when I think uh, I have my mind set on divine things, but in reality, they are very human ways of looking at the world. Human ideas of, of success, of uh, positive outcomes, of growth and uh, improvement. Things I think about, uh, not just in church, but in the wider world, but also of my own life of personal fulfillment and happiness. I think I know what salvation looks like. I think I know what God should be doing. But I wonder if, if we are sometimes guilty of allowing our own ideas of God and our own thoughts and expectations of what should happen dominate our way of thinking. Perhaps for our own lives, but perhaps for uh, situations in the world, things that we're involved in, things that we see. Are we like Peter? Uh, do we have our minds set not on divine things, but on human things? Because Jesus's way was the way of the cross. In worldly terms, the cross was a manifest failure. Uh, it symbolised a dramatic turn in fortune from Jesus one day riding into Jerusalem, being hailed by the crowds as king to a few days later, having those same crowds shout, crucify him, uh, be rejected by them, and then uh, be subject to this horrific, torturous death as a criminal. The cross is, is of course, the centre of all Christian theology. At the cross, we see uh, that it is here that sins are forgiven. It is here that evil is defeated. It is here that, that the world is set free uh, from sin and death. But the cross is also central in our understanding of, of who God is and how God operates in the world and what is the Jesus way. On the cross, 
Jesus suffered at the hands of the same, the very people he came to save. On the cross, he suffered abuse. Uh, he suffered shame. His death was, was a massive miscarriage of justice. On the cross, Jesus underwent all these things. And in worldly terms, it was a huge failure. There was nothing glorious about it, nothing successful about the cross. In fact, glory and success had to wait until Easter Sunday. Uh, and Peter, if you like, uh, his problem was that he wanted the glory of Easter Sunday without going through the shame and suffering of Good Friday. He wanted uh, the glory of uh, a powerful leader, messianic figure, to come and sweep the enemies aside, to take their rightful place in Jerusalem. He didn't want to see uh, suffering. He didn't want to see shame. He didn't want to see, uh, in worldly terms, failure. But Jesus' way is, is the way of the cross. And in this passage, Jesus then goes on to invite us uh, to follow in this way of the cross. He says, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. It's a pretty challenging call to deny ourselves, to take up this device of shame, suffering, failure, uh, and to follow him. What does it mean? Well, it means that, that God's way is not necessarily the easiest way. It means that, that the path that Jesus sets us on is not necessarily a path that is free uh, of suffering, that is successful. It might well mean a path of, of suffering and shame. It might well mean a path of, in worldly terms, failure. Might not sound like a particularly exciting prospect. But actually there is something quite liberating about this. Because it means that it doesn't matter what we achieve in worldly terms, or what the world thinks of us, or how we're viewed by our peers. None of that really matters. In fact, Jesus goes on to say, he says, you know, what is the point if you gain the whole world, if you reach the very pinnacle of everything, if in the end you simply forfeit your life? Instead, what Jesus invites us on is a path where true life is found. It's not an easy path. It's not a path that promises uh, prosperity that promises an easy life that promises comfort but it is a path where we can find fullness of life we're invited to join with Jesus on this road to Calvary we're invited to join with Jesus on this way of the cross because this is where we will find life and this path to life is defined by, by a very particular purpose. Jesus goes on to say, for those who want to save their life will lose it, but those who lose their life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. 
I think what he's saying is that, is that it doesn't matter so much what we do uh, in worldly terms, whether we're employed or unemployed, or you know, whether we're a doctor or a teacher or a, or a cleaner or a bus driver or whatever. None of that is, is what is really important here. But what Jesus is saying is that, is that you can do everything for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel. This is the path uh, to life and life in all its fullness. And it's a path that is characterised by, by a different purpose. A purpose not to, uh, to get everything that you can out of life in the sense that the world uh, thinks of it, but rather to see your life as having a particular purpose and to do everything for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel. And what this means is, is that we might need to reevaluate what we define success as. If we're thinking about the way of Jesus, the way of the cross, what does that have to say to us about what success looks like? If we're thinking about the way of the cross, the way of Jesus, what does that have to say about how we think of happiness? How we think of personal fulfilment? How we think of uh, our achievements and our accomplishments? This purpose-filled life that Jesus calls us on is not necessarily an easy one. The way of the cross is not one that promises uh, success. But what it does promise is life and life in all its fullness. And this is what Jesus promises us. And this is the journey that he invites us on. And so as we embark on Lent, as we look to Good Friday and to the cross, may we have the grace and the courage to deny ourselves, to pick up our own cross and to follow Jesus in this way of life. Amen. Good morning. Children and students are going back to school again. What a strange time it has been for them all and for their parents and their families. The worry is that how many of them have had difficulty with their education as they can't afford computers, laptops, Wi-Fi, even smartphones. The worry also is for the mental health of all the children and students over this time. We must also give prayers for all the teachers and all those supporting the schools at this time. There is also a worry of those children and students that have known someone get ill or die of this virus. They will be in grief along with their families and their friends. God our Father, be near our children growing up in these dangerous and confusing times. Give us the understanding to give help and healing to all these children. And we give thanks to all those who have given help to them all. 
We keep the children and students and families in our prayers. Guard them all at this time. Lead them all in the path of goodness and truth and enable the parents to give them security and love at this time in their lives. Amen. This is the second Sunday of Lent, so it's not far to Easter. I've been finding the lockdown much harder this time because of all the grey days. A great friend of mine and of St John's, Kate Harris, always told me that Lent is a time for giving things up, but you should also do something as an extra. It did not have to be big, just an extra. More prayers perhaps. At St John's we have a number of Lent courses to join, as well as books and other courses on other Christian sites. Perhaps you could help at the food bank or join in with the fair trade fortnight. I know you can think of many other extras you could do. I know people sometimes find praying hard. I know I do. But just take it that you are having a chat with God. God will understand anywhere and any time. So let us pray for all those who need our prayers at this moment. Lord God, prayer is a mystery. We don't understand how it works or how we reach God, but we don't need to. We give prayers of thanks, prayers of help, prayers of love, prayers of healing. But we do know that Jesus prayed and taught his disciples to pray and that he opened the way into your presence. Help us to follow his example, teaching us to pray more naturally with an easy relationship to God. Always try to be often and always in his name. Amen. In the calendar, or some of them, tomorrow is the first day of spring. Some dates vary. The month of nature, the month of spring, a time when the lacework of trees starts with a tinge of green and then to full new fresh green leaves. Spring is a time of new hope. This is a prayer from the Iron community. Deep peace of the running wave to you, deep peace of the flowing air to you, deep peace of the quiet earth to you, deep peace of the sun of peace to you. Also, tomorrow it is St David's Day, and I will be sleeping in the shed if I don't mention him. David is the patron saint of Wales, actually was Welsh and lived a Christian life in Wales. Nowadays he seems to have become a saint of the environment. If you've not been to St David's Cathedral in Pembrokeshire, try sometime. It is worth a visit and it is such a beautiful place. Almighty God, on this special day for the people of Wales, we remember St David, your servant. We give thanks for his passion for the Gospels, which helped to spread Christianity. We give thanks for his purity and simplicity of life, which enabled the pursuit of Christian perfection. We give thanks for his gentleness, but clear spiritual leadership. Grant that we may learn from him and respond to the words that are thought to be his last. Be steadfast and do the little things. 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Imagine you are in the church at the end of a service and some idiot like myself has asked you to get up and form a circle round the church, all around the church, holding hands, something we've not done for a long time. You might be holding the hands of your family or with your friends you sit with, or you might see someone you know at the other side of the circle. Imagine, all together as a family, we say out loud the prayer for God and for each one of us, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. You can now sit down. God bless.
so as we continue to reflect on our readings uh, and our prayers, we're going to just have some words of response, uh, an affirmation of faith. This comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians. And Paul writes this, he says, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And so we say together, Though he was divine, he did not cling to equality with God, but made himself nothing. Taking the form of a slave, he was born in human likeness. He humbled himself and was obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has raised him on high and given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every voice proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Now for some notices. Uh, just a reminder, we've got lots of options for Lent study at the moment. We have a book group on Wednesdays uh, going through this book by Tom Wright, God and the Pandemic. I think they're up to chapter three now, but it's not too late to join if you wanted to join in with that discussion and catch up. There's also the Churches Together Lent group that started last week uh, and uh, our home group on Thursday, Hong Yoke's home group, which is studying the Archbishop's Lent book. Uh, Living His Story by Hannah Steele. Uh, so all those options are there. Do uh, check the newsletter for more details or contact myself if you're interested in finding out more. But I just want to uh, say something about uh, worship in the church building given the government's announcement uh, on last Monday about the plan forward. Uh, so the church wardens and I met in the week to discuss it uh, and we agreed that we still want to be quite cautious uh, and see, wait and see what happens as the impact with the children going back to schools and what impact that has on case numbers. Uh, so we thought it would be sensible to align ourselves with phase two of the government's plan in terms of reopening life. So really we're looking at worship returning, Sunday morning worship returning in the building uh, Sunday the 18th of April, uh, but that is of course subject to guidance, further guidance from the diocese, which we're still waiting to hear from, and also from the council who are still encouraging places of worship to remain closed. Uh, so it's unlikely we'll be opening before then, but it's all subject to uh, the latest guidance at the time. However, we did discuss Easter and we agreed that it'd be lovely to meet together on Easter Sunday and we have our dawn service uh, which we normally meet outside in the forecourt so that of course would be a very safe way of meeting together uh, so look out for further details about when we will be meeting for Easter Sunday uh, a service at dawn in the forecourt uh, and otherwise in Holy Week we'll be putting some online services uh, ways to engage with Holy Week that way so do keep a lookout for uh, further information. But as we close our time of worship, let's close with a prayer of blessing. And you might want to just hold your hands out, uh, palms faced up, symbolic of receiving God's blessing, receiving his spirit uh, as we ask him to fill us afresh for this week ahead and all that we have. So the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.